I'm the Reverend Dr. Jenny McKay, veterinarian and minister in secular employment, environmentalist, activist and self-confessed cat junkie. But believe it or not, I have never watched my cats through a thermal camera. Someone who definitely has is my guest, Sebastian Bull, founder and senior research scientist at the Cowboy Cat Ranch in San Antonio, Texas. So, Sebastian, good to be speaking to you. What did you discover with the thermal camera? Hi, and th thanks so much for for um, for having me. Um, it's it's funny. The thermal camera we actually purchased it with uh, the goal to look at wildlife, um, mostly uh, for our um, trip to Costa Rica. Um, but we decided that afterwards we could also use it to look at wildlife. Um, on our land around our uh, home. Mm -hmm. um, but obviously uh, we were curious and we were playing around with it and we were looking at each other, uh, my wife and I, and also at the cats. And um, some things were you know, rather obvious. Uh, the hotspots were uh, you know, inside their ears, their eyes, um, their anal region, um, their noses were uh, very cold. Um, and. Um, one of the most fun things to see was if they would walk on the carpet, you could see hot spots where their paws were for uh, a few seconds after they uh, after they were walking there. And also we have a lot of um, wall shelves high up and uh, they're made from wood and about um, three quarters of an inch thick. But if you would look from the bottom up underneath the wall shelves, you could see um, heat re radiating from a cat if they would be sleeping on the wall shelves. Uh, so that was kind of fun. <laughs> that is that is amazing. Um, yeah, warm feet and, and cold noses. So can you tell me a little bit about the Cowboy Cat Ranch? Because you and your wife, Evelyn, found it this back in 2016. Yeah, we started it. Um, so we, I work as a, as a scientist um, um, and my wife as well. She has her own lab. Now here in San Antonio, we, we study um, malaria, um, how, how the human body responds to infection with a malaria parasite. Um, and in my spare time, I do some cat research. Um, I started doing that while um, we were still living in, in California. Um, but it, was, it wasn't as, um, as big as, as it is now. Um, but when we moved to uh, San Antonio in 2016, we thought it was maybe fun to, to, to give it an official name. Um, and since sometimes you have names and, and with my own name, Sebastian, over mm -hmm. here in the United States, people often ask me like, you know, what, what did you say? What was your name? Or did you misspell it, etc. So I was pretty sure that moving to Texas, everyone would be able to understand when I would say cowboy cat ranch, because those are three words that are very, very common, uh, common use in, in the state of Texas. Um, and yeah, so uh, now it has an official name. We we did some research uh, in our house. Uh, so we we live with seven adopted cats, and um, we we use sounds really bad, but we never ever do anything that will that will you know hurt or stress them in any possible way. Mm -hmm. But we've done experiments with them, uh, cat friendly experiments, um, and therefore the house is a uh, USDA um, registered and inspected research facility as well. So we, we got a surprise visit from an inspector once a year, which is oh, always fun. Ah. 
It's it's always lovely when the when the inspector um, is at your house and says, uh, "If I die and I have to return as a cat, I would like to come back here." So I, yes. I that's, that's a yes. lovely compliment that we got. It is. It is. You could you couldn't get a better compliment than that, indeed. Yeah. So could you tell me a little bit about the first cat-friendly study that you conducted at the ranch? Because I know that was looking into domestic cats' responsiveness to, to certain plant life. And one of the first participants was Cowboy, wasn't it? Of course, who the ranch is named after. Yeah, so so let's study. Um, so we, we did research in 2016, 2017 that was published. Um, and after that, I wanted to do a, a quick follow-up study, which uh, wasn't quick and it was actually very elaborate. Um, but yeah, it started in California. Um, actually, when we adopted our first cat, um, and we, we decided to, and this is quite different, I, I do know in, in Great Britain and uh, the Netherlands, for example, where I was born and raised, uh, we did decide to, um, to keep our cats indoor only. Um, so we wanted to make sure, or I felt obliged to make sure that their their indoor environment in, indoor environment was very um, interesting and challenging and uh, not not boring because that would not be fair for the cat. So one of the things that we looked into was obviously catnip, and we gave it to the cats, and we were very hopeful and we're like, okay, we did something really nice for you, and now we're you know we're, we're gonna wait and see you enjoy it. Um, but they just scared at us and, and they were like, well, I don't know why you're giving me this belief um, or, or plant material, but I'm not interested uh, at all. Um, so we grew some catnip plants ourselves and um, one of the cats uh, really liked sitting in the pot with the, with the soil. Um, but other than that, nothing. So we were um, very surprised to see that the, all, all five cats that we had adopted were not interested the size mm-hmm. bit in in, uh, in the catnip so um, there were anecdotal stories on uh, on the internet of course about other plants uh, that would have uh, a similar effect and we were curious to see if cats who do not respond to catnip if they might be interested in or respond to some of those other plants that were mentioned so that was one of the main goals. Um, and furthermore, we tested a large number of cats, about 100 OC shelter cats. And we were just curious to see um, what proportion of cats would enjoy the different plants. So back then, we tested four different ones. So mm-hmm. in addition to catnip, we also tested silvervine, which is a kiwi plant, uh, which I'm sure will also do very well in England um, <laughs> or anywhere else in Great Britain. Um, uh, Tetarian honeysuckle and valerian. Okay. And um, we we found that um, more cats actually enjoyed silvervine than they did catnip. And about 50% or so of the cats really enjoyed Tetarian honeysuckle and valerian. Okay. Um, and in, indeed, as, as we were hoping, um, cats, that, cats who don't like catnip uh, seem to like some of the other plants uh, a lot, actually. Oh, so yeah, that's, that's interesting because... Um... I've only had one cat in my life that's ever seemed to be interested in catnip. And yet this is preconception out there, isn't it? That uh, it drives them all wild. But uh, it's interesting what you've said, that some really, really aren't responsive to it at all. Yeah, absolutely. It it, it is a little bit more complicated because um, previous studies done in the 60s and 70s, they also reported that about 
two out of three cats uh, seem to um, like catnip and like, you know, clearly about 30% or so not. Uh, um, so the five cats that we that we were living with back in California, uh, and we still live with them, we didn't leave them there when we moved, <laughs> um, they, uh, they now, like years later, after they were exposed to some of the other plants, they now do respond to catnip. Okay. So oh. it is, it, it, my, my hypothesis is, and this is very difficult to test, and we haven't tried testing it yet, but that it might be something that can be acquired or that something needs to be stimulated. But after they were exposed to the silver vine, particularly, it seems, mm-hmm. um, because at first they were also not interested in Pitarian honeysuckle. Um, they seem to, now, now they do respond. And out of the 100 cats that we tested back in California, we included our five cats, uh, obviously. Right. Those were the ones who were exposed to catnip more than any of the other ones, right? So if yeah, yeah. you would only give it to them three or four times, there's always a chance that, you know, they, they were just not feeling well that day or they, they had a cold or something like that. But these guys were exposed to it more than any of the other ones. Right. So, um, right. And indeed, as you mentioned, one of the shelter cats, um, uh, in, in the shelter, we went to two shelters. One of them was it's called Room Eight. Um, there was a, a, an old black cat. He was very thin, very sweet. Every time I walked into that room, uh, he would be the first one to greet me. And um, if I would sit down, he would, you know, come to my lap. He was demanding his cuddles, and um, I just I, I fell in love with every cat over there, to be honest. But he was. <laughs> He was extra special and his name was Cowboy and we considered um, adopting him, um, but we thought that bringing, taking him out of his comfortable, uh, familiar environment at, at his age, um, mm-hmm. being already very sick and then you know being in a car for 16 to 20 hours um, yeah. may not have been the best thing for him. Um, and then shortly after we um, arrived in San Antonio, we heard that he passed away. So that was, uh, that was the... It was oh, the yeah. right, yeah. It was the right decision, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. So then, in, in you know, in, in memory of him, uh, we decided to call our place our cat ranch, also because it's a ranch-style house. So we thought it made um, made a lot of sense. Okay, okay. So the name's influenced by those those couple of cats, really. Oh. Yeah, particularly by by cowboy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And at the moment. Um, You've got seven lovely rescue cats, haven't you? Now, let me see if I can get their names right. Is it Aguaberry, Zappa, Flinder, Ollie, Namibia, Pumpkin, and Harvey? And they all seem to get on very, very well. Um, can, so can you tell me a little bit about the process of introducing a new cat in into the house and your experiences? Yeah, well... So we um, we started off with adopting two cats, Deppa and Egerberry. Um, Egerberry was named after Pete Egerberry, um, someone who lived in Death Valley, California. He made a trail to a viewing point and he, he referred to it as Egerberry Point, which is where we went with our mountain bikes and enjoyed the scenery. So um, Egerberry uh, and Deppa, named after Frank Deppa. Um, they were both senior cats. Um, when we were at the shelter, uh, the people from the shelter put them together in one small room for a minute or two to see if they would start fighting or not. Mm-hmm. Um, that didn't happen. So they they came to the conclusion that they would go uh, along quite well. Mm-hmm. And at that time, we didn't know much about cats at all. Um, but yeah, they do get along very well. Um, then we were interested in, in adding another cat to the family. Um, but we figured that 
introducing another senior cat, an adult cat, might be more problematic than uh, a kitten. Because typically kittens get accepted more easily. Okay. Um, we thought if we would adopt one kitten, then that one kitten would probably want to play with the other one of the other two, and they would get annoyed. So we figured let's let's see if we can adopt two kittens. So we searched online. It was in November, December. So there were not a, a ton of kittens in the shelter at that time. And um, we found a shelter where they had two siblings, uh, two sisters, um, Flinder, which is Dutch for butterfly, and Namibia, named after the country. Mm-hmm. Um, so we went there and we saw them and they were, uh, we were like, we were surprised because there were three little kittens in, in one uh, cage. And they told us, oh, well, this, this black one is their brother. Uh, so we didn't, we didn't even have to discuss it. We were like, okay, we're not going to separate this happy family. Um, they were seven or eight weeks old. Uh, so they probably would not have realized much of it. And actually most, a lot of cats will be quite happy even when they're separated or maybe even happier. Um, but we, we adopted all three of them and, uh, it was a little bit of a challenge for, for Zappa. Um, she was the least social one because she, she was, um, she used to live on the streets, uh, apparently, based on what we heard from the shelter. Mm-hmm. Um, but Agaberry, uh, a calico a female, she kind of stepped up as a surrogate mother, uh, and she was grooming the little ones very frequently and the other way around. So that went really well. Um, Zappa kind of got used to the situation. She wasn't too thrilled. She still is not, but she, you know, she accepted them and they respect her. Um, and then, so the, the, the seven of us, so uh, the five cats, my wife and I, we, we drove from um, the LA area to the San Antonio area and with the five cats. And then the house was a little bit bigger. Instead of renting, we, were, uh, we, we bought uh, the house. So we had more control over what we, you know, what, what was allowed to do in terms of how many pets you could have. Uh, and we figured that, you know, especially in the afternoon when all of them were sleeping, we would look at each other and say, like, do we have any cats at all? It's, you know, there, <laughs> there seems to be place for more of them. Um, so I went to the shelter uh, also to to, uh, to to get the cats over there, like, you know, some of the silver wine and, and, and try to, you know, make their life a little bit happier. And um, there was one cat that I really loved, and she would come and, and sit on my um, on my belly when I was laying on the on the floor in the shelter. Um, and I told Evelyn, but Evelyn's the, the more rational, the smarter one. And she was like, no, let's not do that. It's not a good idea. <laughs> and then that cat was adopted out and I blamed her and I was, I wasn't mad, but I was a little bit disappointed. Um, and then we went back to the shelter again and she joined and there, there was this one, uh, tortoiseshell cat, uh, who was always hiding, always high up. She was not very comfortable with other cats. And we had Silvervine out, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, there she was. Uh, and she was so attracted to the Silvervine powder, and she started rolling around, biting my hand a little bit. Um, and then I don't even know the details anymore, but we, uh, I got the green light from Evelyn. That was it. Adopt her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, she was, a, actually, she was a little bit um, uh, overweight, uh, and uh, she was actually diagnosed with a heart, heart disease. And she was in the shelter for six months already. So it was very difficult for her to, to be adopted. So that's, that was one other reason that we fell in love mm-hmm. with her. Um, but we tried, we tried so many things, introducing her to the, to the rest of the group. 
uh, in separate rooms, exchanging smells, uh, giving food on, on both sides of the door. Okay. Uh, I, I, I put in like, you know, a, a wall made of uh, wood and drill holes in it and make the, make the holes bigger each time. Okay. To really yeah. make the process gradual. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the end, I don't know what her history was, but she was, uh, she was very upset. Papa didn't like her, of course. All he was kind of mean to her. Uh, so she would run into a certain area and then she would urinate because she was so scared. So we decided to remodel the whole house uh, and have like a separate room uh, really open. So there's there's um, there's a window, but there's also, I don't know how you can call it. it it's um, You have like a wooden piece. Uh, I came up with the design myself. So it's open enough to mm-hmm. he- hear everything and to smell everything, but the, the cats and the humans cannot go through. Um, so it's a very open space, but she has her own space. She has an outdoor enclosure uh, where she can go in and out 24-7. And she's extremely happy. So um, my wife and I no longer sleep together because <laughs> I feel bad. And, you know, so I sleep with Pumpkin and uh, she really loves my company. Um, <laughs> and, we, we, and we tried, we tried, uh, we talked to animal behaviorists with PhDs. We tried everything, but for, with some cats, it just doesn't seem possible. And we just really felt bad, uh, you know, even even considering bringing her, her back to the, to the shelter oh, because she does. Yes, yes. Um, and turns out that uh, she was misdiagnosed. She has no cardiac disease. And wow. uh, it's been seven years now since we adopted her. She's turning 14, I think, in oh, a few wow. months. Yeah. And she couldn't be happier. So um, Gosh, that was that, number six. Yeah, that's good news. So, yeah, so she, no underlying health condition after after all that. Yeah, yeah, that's fantastic. And then um, Hurricane Harvey happened in Texas, uh, and especially the coastal area was affected tremendously. Um, so I have to say that we still felt bad for pumpkin being alone until we were always on the lookout, like unconsciously to see if we could find a, a friend, another cat who would be friendly for Pumpkin. Um, and then, you know, maybe she'd be happier. Um, so we, we helped relocate some, some of the cats uh, from a shelter in Aransas Pass that was really damaged by the, by the hurricane. Okay. Um, and there was this cat called Sunshine. She was a, uh, an orange tabby female. And she was the last one of her litter. So she, she was the only one who was adopted out. So we thought, oh, this this might be a good candidate. So we you know, we had a bunch of cats in our in our cars, um, and then we decided <laughs> to give it a go and see if Harvey would be a good match. Because typically, orange tabbies are have a reputation of being very mellow, and it went quite well for the first time. Um, uh, but in in the end, uh, um, it, it Pumpkin was still upset. Um, because personalities change over time when they're with a certain cat. One, it seems that always one wants to be the, the dominant one. And Pumpkin just had a very hard time with it. They still sometimes intermingle uh, under supervision. Uh, so we had Harvey with the other cats, and that went really well for a long time. Um, until she, uh, at some point, didn't come to us when we were giving them food. Mm-hmm. And she was hiding. And it uh, turns out that she had a, a huge abscess um, at her, uh, t- in her tail. Um, because she was bitten apparently by, we suspect, oh. Ollie or Namibia. They're very spicy and very protective of their group. Okay. Um, and then we had to keep her separate, uh, for medical reasons. And, right. you know, when the, when the wound was healing and she blossomed, she really, oh, really? 
We <laughs> <laughs> really love it uh, on our own. So now we have Harvey in the master bedroom where Eileen sleeps at night. Duncan in a, in a very open space where I sleep at night. And then during the day, we're with the five other cats. Oh, um, my word. So it's, uh, it's a huge misconception. Uh, and I feel, I feel like I failed uh, that we were not able to, you know, properly introduce all the cats and, and have them live a happy life together. I think they would be okay, you know, they would, mm. they, would, they would survive, but I don't think that they would be as happy as they are right now. No. So that's why we decided to do it like this. No, it's just, just like people, I suppose, isn't it? Some uh, are, are loners and others get on with the crowd. So yeah, you've absolutely. been uh, really, really good adapting yourselves, really, to the, to the needs of uh, the special cats. And Ollie is the only male cat. Isn't that right? Yeah, 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 yeah. But who would you say is the dominant one then overall? Uh, Ollie tries, um, but he's uh, he's a weird boy because uh, there's a, a, sometimes there's a coyote or, or something outside of the outdoor enclosure, um, and then he's the first one to come run back inside, and oh, his see. sisters are. <laughs> are fiercely defending the you know their territory, um, but he he tries. He I think it's um, you know he he often tries to jump on other cats even, even though they're all uh, sterilized. Right. Um, and I think that's what male cats do. Um, so you know they clearly they don't like it, and he, he tries to bite them in the neck. Mm -hmm. That's also mm -hmm. what they do when they want to meet. Um, but in the end. Uh, you know, if Sapa just stops and hits at him, he's like, oh, sorry. And he, 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 he <laughs> lays down being submissive. So I think that surprisingly, I think Zappa and Egeberry are probably the, the, the okay. ones who are running running the show. Okay. So with all the, these cats, I presume that you were brought up with cats in the Netherlands? No, actually not. I was, no. uh, I, I, I wasn't, I think we had a, a bunny at some point when I was very young Ooh. and only after I moved out of the house uh, when I was 18 or so my parents got a dog uh, I think oh. to replace me <laughs> or my brother <laughs> um, but no I, I never grew up with uh, with 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 pets um, or cats my my aunts um, had cats and I, I I really enjoyed that um, and we before we moved to the United States, I lived with um, my now wife, uh, and there were two cats from a couple of houses down the road who would visit us uh, frequently. So at some point, they kind of felt like they were our cats. Okay. Um, but no, uh, no, we we were, um, and I still remember the day when we adopted the cats, and, and looking at, looking back at, back at it, back at it now, uh, how shockingly little we knew about cats at the time. Yeah. Yeah. So so fairly recent cat cat converts yeah i know i i had a cat when i was when i was growing up when i was four this cat snowy who went on until she was 18. oh and wow i've um yeah gathered up various cats along the way so uh now i've just got three but uh yeah they're amazing animals so you and i definitely <laughs> definitely agree on that is that the maximum you had? Is that the maximum number you have had? Three, yeah, three, three is the total, and um, I haven't had any more than two. But actually, one one of these cats was was quite ill. She had intestinal lymphoma, 
So uh, she was put on chemotherapy and I thought she wasn't going to survive this. So um, I got a third cat in anticipation of this poor one's demise. But she she actually flourished. So she's doing fine. So I've got three cats now. And they get along well. Which is lovely. They've all got different territories in the house, really. Yeah. They they tolerate each other, I would say. (laughs) <laughs> yeah individual characters yeah oh absolutely and this is I mean, if, if i could give one piece of advice i really i really would say that don't overdo it when you with the number of cats because mm-hmm. it's not a, it's not in their best interest i would say but mm-hmm. it's so difficult right because it's also you should you should pretty much probably compare it to what their situation would be either like living on the street uh, or in the shelter right because that's where you at yes. least that's where we taken from so it's, it's difficult but um looking back in hindsight i'm not sure if i would have you know if, if adopting pumpkin and harvey would have been the best thing to do uh clearly if they would have gone uh gotten along together well for yeah, sure yeah. Yeah. um I, I wish we could have adopted a, a mother cat with seven or eight mm. uh children that, that mm-hmm. would have been lovely that's right they would all they would all definitely go on there <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> So, yeah, so you've obviously got, got these domestic cats, but you've also got plans to study wild cats, don't you, in Texas at the Government Canyon. Um, so what were you hoping to learn from that research? Yeah, so um, with, the, with the research that I've been doing with the uh, um, uh, olfactory enrichment, so the, 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 the plants that um, cats smell and, and you know, make them happy, uh, we actually also tested those on um, on big cats, uh, like lions and tigers and um, bobcats, for example. Yeah. Uh, and and it, it, they're fantastic animals. And um, I don't exactly know how, but I got in touch with an organization um, in, in California, the Feedi Conservation Fund. Okay. Uh, and they do research on... Um, on, on the on the territory, like where do mountain lions or pumas uh, and bobcats and other uh, wildcats uh, live, and how is their habitat affected by by humans? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I spoke to them, and and we're trying to set up something similar um, in in Texas because there's just not a lot of research that's being done, and um, people claim that the ocelot or jaguaruni, for example, no longer live here; they used to. Um, but there just hasn't been a good inventorization uh, of, of what kind of wildcats still are in Texas. So mm. we're, we're working on, on trying to look at certain um, like state parks, protected habitats, and, okay. and see if we can uh, observe some of those cats. Um, and then over time, uh, maybe see how, because those are, one, one of the locations is, more in the middle of nowhere and the other one is just outside of san antonio which is expanding a lot okay. so just trying to get an idea of which cats are there and and then see how the pressure from the growing city is affecting their habitat mm. and um if they you know what they have if that's if that would be enough to to keep the population there or or not and then see what what we can possibly do to to make sure they uh, can stay there yeah so it's in common with lots of other wildcats isn't it their environment is just disappearing due to people or yeah due to due to climate change 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. And this actually, I'm, I'm just going to mention this. So I, I saw your Twitter uh, page yesterday or the day before. It was just after the um, you had that um, com- conversation about do animals go to heaven? Uh, and I had to think about that when I was taking a shower the other day. And I was like, well, the way I would like to see it actually is that the non-human animals would be the gatekeeper. And then they would be, you'd see like, you know, 4,500 pigs and you would go to heaven and, and the pigs would be like, well, you ate us and it wasn't really necessary. And you see this polar bear and they're like, well, you know, because you had to fly to Asia for your vacation every year, knowing that it would affect my habitat. Right. So I, that would be, uh, I would love to see that, that the, the non-human animals yes. would be the gatekeepers. And then based on your yes. actions on earth, they would decide if you would be allowed in or yeah, not. <laughs> that's, uh, that's very, very interesting. Yes, I had, I had that discussion um, just, just last night, actually, with, with some people. And um, we were all animal lovers, of course. So I think the general conclusion was that they probably <laughs> did go to heaven. But I, I like that one about, yes, them being the gatekeepers. And like, you know, animals that are extinct, you know, like the dodo. Mm. Will the dodo be there, presumably? Yeah, and it yeah. could be saying, it's probably, yeah, probably, probably already there. Yeah, 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 and it will be saying, yeah. "Look what you, yeah, look what you did to me." I'm afraid you're not getting in. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I did see this cartoon once. It was, um, it was God, and he's standing at the gate, and as all these animals are going through the, you know, the no check channel, and yeah, the humans <laughs> are all being interviewed. So, um, yeah. yeah. So did you, did you by any chance record that conversation for, so people can listen back to it if they missed it live? It, yeah, yeah, it, it has been uh, recorded. So, yeah, just just waiting to finish the whole series of talks. And then if people ask me, then I can provide the link to the talk. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I think you'd be like very that. interested in that. Absolutely. So we've talked a lot about uh, this this space that you've created for all the all the cats, and um, is it right that you've twenty seven cat trees at home? Um, at some point we did, um, but we felt the need to increase that number. <laughs> oh, to increase even more. <laughs> Yeah, it's um we we I do remember counting them not too long ago, but uh, I do literally lose track of them. Um, I think we're at forty two or forty three right now. Oh my goodness, all different and heights it, and sizes, I presume. Yeah, some of them are the the, the, the smaller ones that you can buy at, at your regular pet store, um, covered with carpet. Um, most of them are from a company called Kitty Mansion. I think. It might be selling in, in Europe as well, um, and a few from some other companies, but especially the ones from Kitty Mansion I really like. Uh, they're quite affordable, I think, for the quality that you get, and I think the quality is good, especially okay. for the, the, the looks ones. Mm-hmm. Some of them are, are about seven foot um, and are very heavy, um, so also okay. bigger cats can just jump in it and you don't have to worry about them falling over um, at all. Um, when you get them, they typically come in two or three super heavy boxes. It's fun to assemble. Uh, and this, this, the company Kitty mentioned, they have a ton of them. And they, they name most of them after a place in the world. 
Um, so it, it's all, it's also a little bit of a, you know, trying to collect them all. <laughs> and that company actually was based in, uh, I believe it was Ontario, California, which was not too far away from where we lived at the time, which was Riverside, California. So we drove there to their warehouse and they had a, uh, a showroom, um, which basically was, uh, uh, the size of a, of, of a typical living room, but just filled completely with all cat trees. And they had one or two cats living there. And um, <laughs> I still remember that, that picture that I, you know, what I, what I saw because it was just two small um, like corridors where you could walk. But then every time there was like on your left and your right, there was a cat tree. And clearly for the, for the cats that would, you know, that's like a forest and they, they, they would love it because they can jump up and down left and right. Um, and my wife and I moving to the United States from the Netherlands in 20, yeah, 2011. Okay. We just got here with two suitcases, right? So yes. we didn't have a lot. Um, and we don't have, uh, children. Um, there was a, a, a decision that we made. Um, so we didn't have a lot of furniture. So you might as well just mm-hmm. put a cat tree everywhere where there's a spot. <laughs> yes. <right>? yes. <laughs> <laughs> and the funny, the funny thing is, you would think maybe that you know after ten or so they would no longer use one or two of them, but they use every single factory almost every day. Oh, yeah, that's, so that's... they 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 enjoy it, and you know the goal, the goal really is to make the um, you know their environment as interesting as possible for them. Um, we don't care too much uh, what it looks like for us uh, as long as they are <laughs> yeah. happy. <laughs> and um, like all cats, as you unpack the cat trees, are they interested in the boxes? They are, yes, absolutely. But they're also interested. So since they're so big and you have to assemble them, they, uh, you know, you have little houses that are part of the cat tree, and you have to put those aside and organize things a little bit before you start doing that. Um, but then very often they they want to assist you in the assembly. And they are already in a little cat house that needs to go up. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, it's it's always a lot of fun, and it depends again on on the cat's personality. Um, uh, Ollie, for example, you know he he would be on on top of it uh, from the first second, whereas the older cats would be a little bit more reserved and, and come check it out like when it's assembled. <laughs> Sounds a lot of fun. It is. Yeah. Absolutely. So, Sebastian, what's uh, what's next for you? Do you have plans for any more new arrivals at the ranch? Uh, I wish, but <laughs> no, wish. absolutely not. <laughs> um, no, no, no more, no more cats at this point. Um, I'm sometimes a little bit jealous of people with dogs because dogs love to travel so much, right? If you mm. if you want to go to a park mm-hmm. with with them, they mm. would enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Um, it makes it. Also, it, it makes it difficult having seven cats to find uh, a babysitter. Yes. Um, yes. As they get as they get older, um, we also want to make sure that we, like you mentioned, you know, if, if one of the cats needs uh, treatment for cancer, like chemotherapy mm. or or anything mm. like that, or expensive surgery, we want to be absolutely sure that we can afford it. Um, so, for that reason, I think seven will be will be the maximum. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So really, the next the next big thing on your agenda is this wildcat study. It is, and um, well, in, in addition to that, so we are fortunate enough. For, so for Texas, for people in Texas, it's, it's really nothing, but for people in the Netherlands, it's a lot. So we have now 
Are you talking where you are from? Is it in acres or in hectares? Usually acres. Okay, so we have 10 acres, um, which is for us, it's a lot of land. Um, And it's uh, it's in the subdivision where every house has at least five, some 10 or 15 acres of land. Um, So there's there's a fair amount of wildlife. Um, Mm -hmm. But... Because of a drought uh, decades ago and because of farming, of the, so it, it used to be one large area where they would have uh, cattle and, and um, uh, goats grazed. And they would eat everything except for as junipers, or as they call them here, cedar trees, okay. uh, which have very, very little nutritional value, and, but they overgrew. So 90% of it is, is as juniper. So... My next project, uh, and already started on it, is, is really to restore the, the habitat for wildlife um, in, in such a way that it's interesting for them. So in, increase biodiversity, uh, diversity, um, have trees and shrubs out there that you know offer uh, protection for the shade, but also nutrition and for the birds and for ground okay. birds, have it more open. So nice. it's not so, it's not so much research, um, but that's that's definitely something that I'll be spending a lot of time on in the next couple of years. Right. And I guess you don't go back that often then to the Netherlands. I don't, and my my mother is very upset about that. <laughs> um, but no, last time I've been back was about ten years ago or so. Right, right, right. So life is. And I and I do miss the Dutch yeah. the Dutch bread, and I do miss like cycling. From one place to the other, because uh, Texas is so car dominated, um, it's it's almost ridiculous if you go on a bike here. Um, yes. But yeah. Yes, and a very very different climate as well. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, it's brutally hot in the summer. Yeah. Yeah. Oh well, it's been it's been amazing talking to you, Sebastian, and hearing about all these wonderful cats. Um, so I'm sure the listeners will have will have learned a lot and if they want to follow you they can of course see you on on twitter but um i'm very pleased to find somebody who's just as involved and thrilled with cats as i am um i've got three you've got seven that's that's amazing sounds like heaven to me so uh, <laughs> yeah. thank you very much maybe i will get a thermal camera to to look at my cats in the future it's fun, absolutely. And I just want to mention that if some of the listeners are interested in uh, trying to give their cats vegetarian honeysuckle wood, um, okay. I can help them. Uh, I, I know of a company who recently started to import um, the, the wood uh, in, uh, I think they're located in, in England. Um, okay. And if you are interested in, in getting some uh, free silver vine leaf samples, yes. uh, I can I can provide you with that. Um, I can definitely send it to you for free, no problem. Um, but if depending on the number of requests, uh, you can always send me a self-addressed envelope, um, uh, and then I can fill it with uh, dried silver vine leaves, which we have growing uh, where we live, uh, and then you can give it to your cats, and hopefully they'll enjoy it. Oh, fantastic! Fantastic! I'll definitely take you up on that. Well, thank you very much again. Thank you for having me.